Picture the most disciplined person you know. What do they look like? In your mind right now, picture someone who lives a disciplined life. What's that person look like? What, what does, she, does she look like? What does he look like? Someone who lives with discipline in their life regularly. Picture them just living out their day. Picture the impact that they're having where they're at. Just, just in your mind right now, just stop and pause and picture someone who has a disciplined life. What do they look like? What's coming to mind? Now, picture someone who's undisciplined, who, who, is, who is a person of excess, who has no plan, just every once in a while they, they hit their target and sometimes it's just purely out of, uh, just, it just happened a coincidence. But picture someone who is undisciplined. Now, picture them, that person beside the person who's disciplined. Now ask yourself this question, who's having the greater impact? The disciplined person or the undisciplined person? What comes to mind when you think of discipline? Today we're gonna go on a journey and we're gonna have, ask you this question, are you living a disciplined life? Is there uncommon discipline and what does that look like in your life? How does that impact your life and impact the lives around you? What happens if you and I decide to live a life of discipline? How will that change your environment? How will that change people in your environment? How will that impact your relationship with Jesus Christ? Listen to some of these words and verses that talk about discipline, that talk about self-discipline and self-growth. Just listen to these. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. In other words, self-control is a byproduct of walking in the spirit. It's not like, well, you're just a disciplined person. You're just someone who had self-control. This is something that you concocted on your own. No, if you're walking in the spirit, the word of God says that self-control surfaces out of your life. So it's available to all Christ followers. Listen to this verse. 1 Peter 5, verse, chapter 1, verses 5 to 6. For this very reason, make every effort to add to faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness. Make every effort, Peter says. In other words, do it and work hard at doing it. Paul told Timothy, young Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1.7, he said this, For God did not give you, Timothy, a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love. And we often leave off the, the end of that, of self-discipline, self-control. God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and self-discipline, self-control. God has given it to us. It's available to us. So everyone in this room has a relationship with Jesus Christ, has the ability to operate out of self-discipline. It's inside of you somewhere. It's not just, well, he's just one of those disciplined people. She's just one of those disciplined people. They're just different. No, it's a choice whether or not you want to exercise it. So how does that play out in our lives? Suppose you wanted to run a marathon. Do you just show up on marathon day and they hand you this ribbon 
and you were number 1464 and you ran in the Cleveland Rite Aid Marathon and you just show up and run 26.2 miles. Is that how it happens? You just show up and you sign up and say, you know what, in the spring of this year, I'm going to run a marathon. So you show up and you run a marathon. No, there's hard work way before you get the prize. There has to be this pattern of discipline way before this prize. And it's hard work. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's early mornings. It's running when it's cold. It's running with the headlamp at night. It's running between your children's schedules. It's, it's getting up and doing it because you want to win the prize. So it requires hard work. If you want to find someone who finishes a marathon, who runs a half marathon, who bikes 100 miles, I will guarantee you this. You will find shoes after shoes after shoes that have miles after miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles on them. The only way you get that is if you are willing to put the time in daily to accomplish your goal. You don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to run a marathon. No, you work hard. You get up early. You labor and you put in the miles. So that when it comes game day, you get to go. Do you think if you ever wanted to play college baseball that they just give you a hat? So here, go play college baseball. Do you think the guys who are playing college baseball or college sports today, they just came and they showed up and they said, is there a baseball club? I played wiffle ball and I was really good. Do you think that's the case? They just walk on, the coach says, you're a great wiffle ball player. Why don't you go to shortstop? No, in order to accomplish this goal, you know what it requires? It required this. It required day after day of being in the cage. It required a ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. It required throwing with your friends and your dad in the backyard. It required hour after hour after hour of repetition to get this. Some say, well, I really want to know God. Boy, I'd love to know God like she does. Boy, if I could just know God like he does. You don't wake up one day and say, I want to know God. God, give me all the information. No, it's hour after hour after hour of turning the pages where your pages are worn out, where they've been, the Bible has been rebound, where you've dug in hour and labored and labored and you get in the word, you spend a regular disciplined time. The only way you will ever know who God is in a deep, deep way is day after day, hour after hour, disciplined lives of reading regularly. Then you get to know God intellectually. Or how about if you just want to grow intellectually? I have some guys behind me, they're gonna bring something out. What if you just, you say, I wanna get smarter. And you go to this class. It's like, man, I wish I was as smart as them and I wish I was as smart as her. I wish I knew as much as they know. Do you think you just show up and you wanna be a doctor? You wanna be a lawyer? You want to be a dentist? You want to be a teacher? You just show up and then you say, hey, guess what? I'm a doc. And they give you, say, well, here's your practice. No, it's hour after hour, book after book, 
It's, it's nugget after 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 nugget. And sometimes you could spend hours studying and reading and walk away with one truth that could radically change your life. That's hard work. And not everyone is willing to put the time in. Let me ask you a personal question. Are you willing to do whatever it takes in the area of discipline in this coming year? Are you willing to plot out a path, to chart out a course, to accomplish steps, to achieve your goal? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen? If you are willing, then it will require hour after hour and day after day and minute after minute and a charted course to make that happen. I had a professor in college one time tell me this. He said, Jim, he said, the depth of your knowledge will be shown by the breadth of your library. I just happened to take that truth and say, I guess you're right. But the more you put in, the hours of repetition, the better you become at whatever you're trying to do. Uncommon discipline is challenging. It's difficult, but it's so rewarding. Grab your Bibles. I want to show you what I mean. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. By the way, I'll say this again. For our visitors, I understand. But if you're a regular of Grace Community and you're not carrying your Bible, bring your Bible! It's a discipline. It's like it's connected to you when you get up and come to church. Don't expect some usher to carry you every single week. Fight Club men, you know what I'm talking about. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to go on this journey of uncommon discipline. Hebrews chapter 12. And let's look at verse 7 through 11. Stand with me. We'll read it together. Hebrews 12 verses 7 through 11. Would you read this with me? Ready? Read. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in the holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You may have a seat. In the middle of this book is this discourse on discipline, a variety of ways of discipline. Parent disciplining their child, saying, no, in order for you to become this person, I make you do this. And then when you don't do this, this is the consequence. In order for us to grow as Christians personally, we must be on a path and a journey of discipline to become all that God wants us to become. Look back at verse 11. We're going to stay in that verse today. It says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but what? What's it say? 
painful. Later on, however, it does what? It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for who? For those who have been trained by it. In other words, it's not for the weak. If you want to live a disciplined life, it's not for those who are weak, who are people of an excuse, who aren't willing to work hard. If you're not willing to work hard, you won't accomplish all that God wants you to accomplish. In other words, if it was easy, everyone would do it. It wouldn't have the connotation of difficulty and pain. Self-control is extremely important. Self-discipline is extremely important. And the reason self-discipline is so important for us to develop is that we don't have anyone telling us how to do it. There will come a time in your life when you grow up and you leave your home as college students and you go to college and all of a sudden mom or dad aren't there all the time saying, take the trash out, do this, make sure you show up, get out of bed, it's supper time. You need to exercise, you need to be here on time. I need this, I need that. There comes a point where you decide on your own that you need to do this. And every day of our lives as adults and often as uh, young adults, we have to make decisions. If we want to become all that God wants us to become, we need to be children and adults of discipline. I don't have someone every morning waking me up and saying, Jim, get up, Jim, get up, Jim, get up, Jim, get up. I don't have someone every morning saying, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Yes, the Holy Spirit does, but it's easy to push that away. I don't have someone every week tell me, Jim, get out and run. Jim, get out and run. Jim, do 50 push-ups and 50 setups every day, and that's what I'm doing. Jim, go do that, go do that. I don't have someone telling me to do that. It's self-discipline. It's the spirit in me that says, Jim, this is who you are. Live to the identity God created you to live. I don't have people telling me, hey, turn the TV off. Turn that program on. Turn that program on. Hey, flip through the commercials when there's inappropriate stuff. I don't have someone telling me, don't look at that woman. Hey, don't look again. It's a pattern of choices that I've chosen to take. It's called self-discipline, self-control. I don't have anyone telling me, Jim, stop drinking pop. I stopped drinking pop six years ago. I don't have someone every day saying, Jim, don't drink pop. Don't drink pop. Don't drink pop. It's a choice that I've made. Self-discipline. I don't have someone, nor do you have someone telling you, make sure you eat your fruits and vegetables every day. I don't have someone reminding me of that every day. Once in a while, my wife says, Jim, that's a good idea. I listen to my wife, but not every day. (laughs) Understand what I said there. (laughs) There's only one thing that will keep you from becoming and doing and completing and living to your redemptive potential. It's you. Have you ever had someone say to you, I give my life to have what you have. I give my life to have your marriage. I give my life to have your business. I give my life to have your church. I give my life to have your health. Truth of the matter is this. It probably took that person's life to get it. It was hard work. It was step after step after step after step after step trusting God and watching God come through. It takes a lot more character to have the self-discipline to do something on your own than it does to be told to do so, when to do it and how to do it. Yet disciplined people do it because they refuse to settle and feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to be the brightest, fittest, godliest men and women that God made them to be. Listen to me, Grace. 
We of all people who call ourselves followers of Christ should be the brightest, should be the fittest, should be the godliest men and women that have ever lived on planet earth. We got God helping us. Listen to me. And the only reason we don't achieve all that Christ intended us to achieve because we choose not to place discipline patterns into our lives. But remember, this verse says it's painful. It hurts to run when you haven't run for 25 years, 10 miles in a week. Can I hear amen from some men? It hurts to do 60 push-ups and 60 set-ups in a week when you haven't done them for 25 years. Can I hear amen from some men? It hurts to say to the flesh, no, don't eat fast food for a week when the pattern of your life is to eat fast food all the time. It hurts to get off the couch and play with your kids when you're tired. It hurts to get up early and read a proverb a day. It hurts to read a big book that's 500 pages long. It hurts, but it's worth it. It hurts to give up an addiction because the craviness side effects make you feel grumpy and angry and short. It hurts your pride to admit that you need help, but it's so worth it. No pain, no gain. You hear that all the time. Here's where it comes from. No pain, no gain. No discipline, no gain. You see, in my lifetime, I have had person, and so have you, person after person, walk away from potential victory because they refuse to put the time in. Many people have ambitions that will never be recognized. Goals that will never be realized. Visions that will never be reality simply because they have no discipline or they don't apply discipline. Seriously, what you are doing today is who you are becoming tomorrow. The very things that you did this morning, did you eat a healthy breakfast? Did you spend time with God? Were you giving out kind words to people? Were you encouraging your family? Or did you have the grump family look on the way here to church today and walk in and say, praise God, and all the way here. The patterns that you are doing today is who you are becoming tomorrow. And often you don't do it because it's just plain painful. And because you're opposed. Do you seriously think that Satan wants you to live to your redemptive potential? The potential that you were created to live to? Absolutely not. So you will be opposed. You won't feel like getting up and exercising. You won't feel like getting up and reading God's word. You won't feel like telling your wife, I love you. You won't feel like praying over your family. You won't feel like walking through your house and telling Satan to take a hike. You won't get down and do push-ups. You won't spend time in the study and learning that new thing that helps your business, your practice, become what it was intended to be. You're not willing to put the time in because it's painful. You're tired. It hurts. So the weak just make excuses. And they say stuff like this. And I've heard it over and over and over. And I just want to say, wall, 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 wall. I don't have time. That's the classic line. Listen to me. You make time for what you want to make time for. 
I could never do that, people say. There's no way I could ever do that. And so you just say, I can't do it. How do you know unless you step out and chart the course? Or I've tried it before and I failed. So what? Fail forward, get back up and try again. Or God doesn't really care if I do this. God doesn't care if I have this area in my life. As long as I have these other areas, let me tell you, one area in your life, if there's sickness in one area, it affects all the other areas. Or I have been handed this by my father and this is as good as I'll ever get. Oh, baloney. If we think that's true, then what are we saying about the God we serve who says, with God, all things are possible. And the list goes on. Wah, 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 wah. I don't have time for people who just whine and complain and cry. Just go. Because the word of God says, you are able to. And so what you do is say, okay, I just believe Satan. I'll let Satan kick my butt again. Yeah. The payoff is worth it though, this verse says. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by it. Stand with someone a family that has overcome after years of living out a disciplined life. Stand with a victorious mama or a wife who finally found breakthrough in health in her life, who accomplished a health goal that she never thought was possible after having four kids and three kids and two kids. Stand with that mama and watch what happens to her. Stand with the man who broke the chains of addiction after months of painful secret pain. Stand with that man after he stood up and said, God with you, it's possible. You want to see power? Stand with the teenager who hit the winning free throws in a basketball game after a summer of shooting 500 shots a day. Stand with the business owner who signed the deal of a lifetime after years of learning, after years of studying, after years of sharpening his business skills. Stand with him or her. There's no sweeter victory than one born out of a disciplined life. By the way, it doesn't mean that you always finish first. But it does mean that there will be deep satisfaction knowing that you gave everything you had to finish where you began years ago. And you can stand at the end of that. If you're third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, you can stand with great satisfaction after you fired that shot or you took that bat and it was a line drive to left field and it was almost through and you lost the game, but you can hold your head high and know, I did everything I could do to perform like I did. But if you haven't, you always walk away and think, boy, if I just put the time in, It takes great discipline to accomplish great things for God. But the verse says this, it doesn't necessarily come quickly. It comes later on. And my experience has shown me that sometimes it comes a lot later on. But listen, don't bail out when you put the time in. Continue to put the time in. It doesn't mean like all of a sudden I did it for six weeks. God, how come you didn't come through? I quit. I did it for six months and I've been praying for breakthrough. I quit. I got up early, God, and I'm not seeing the change in my health. Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, because later on it's going to produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by it. That's what the verse says. Later on, however. The payoff is a harvest of righteousness and peace. You can't put out or get out what you haven't put in. The peace that comes when you're all alone 
and it's just you and God, it's quite frankly precious. I'll be really honest with you. I find great satisfaction in knowing 145 men made it through. That just stokes my fire. And there were moments this week in tears before God and just saying, God, I am so proud of those 145 men who labored hard through thick and thin and didn't strike out, but labored and worked hard because I know there's impact in their lives and in their families' lives. Some will never receive the goods. Many of you in this room have natural talent and ability, but your dreams don't lie beyond your abilities. Listen to me. Your dreams and accomplishments won't necessarily lie beyond your abilities. They lie beyond your discipline. You will never become who you were meant to be without a plan and without pain. Everyone's got a pain file. I got a pain file that I go to. And it's like, it's a reminder that it hurt, but it was worth it. And it's a reminder that don't let that stop you from charting your course because along the way, you'll have other people hurt you. You'll be hurt. Don't let that stop you from accomplishing all that God wants. See, we're not puppets. If we were puppets, God would just move us around. God's given us a free will to do what is acceptable to him. But today is a new day. And the final chapter has not been quite written yet. You were made for more. So don't settle on your past achievements or your past disappointments. It begins right now, not tomorrow. I want to address six primary areas where you should be working at in the area of discipline. I'm not saying that this won't be difficult information and quite frankly, all of us need to hear it, including myself. And you might not like what I have to say, but I will always tell you the truth. A primary area of discipline you need to work at is in your mind and in our minds. Our maturity as Christians will be determined by our skill in selecting. If we're determined to major in the minors, we if we show a first-rate dedication to second-rate causes, then we will never mature as a child of God. In other words, select carefully where you invest your time and your disciplines. I think it begins in our minds. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself the prudent unto God, a workman that he did not to be ashamed. King James Version, I memorized it as a kid. But the point is this. Spend time in God's word. Studying God's word. So that you can present yourself. You have to spend time in the book. If you want to grow and you want to renew your mind, then you must go to the living word and let it wash out all the other stuff that doesn't belong there. Constant feeding of his word. Let me just ask you a personal question. What is your daily devotional plan? What is your desire? Do you just open the Bible up? Do you have a daily plan? Listen, you will never get to know God unless you chart out your course the way that allows regular discipline. You will know him, but you will not know him with much depth. So we need to renew our minds. You must have a daily reading plan. Another primary area is our bodies. Our bodies are all that we have to serve God with. Let me explain that to you. You can't serve God through my body. I can't serve God through your body. A lot of people like to do that though. And so they do it vicariously through Grace Community Church. Wow, Grace Community Church. Yet you haven't gotten off of your seat and done anything. You say, my church did this and my church did... Listen, yes, 
It's the people collectively doing it. I can't serve God through your body. You can't serve God through my body, but we can serve God through our own bodies. So the point is this. We have the living God living in us. Make sure you take care of the vessel. Ask yourself this question. Is the shape you want it to be in at this age where you're at right now? Do the poor choices you make in the area of health limit you from being all that God wants you? Now I understand. I'm not downplaying the stuff that's been passed down to you. I'm not saying that there's some things you have no control over. But ask yourself this question. Do you have a daily exercise routine for your life? We should be physically, emotionally, spiritually healthy. But when we are sick in the area of health, it affects everything. You will see guys who are rendered ineffective, women who are rendered ineffective for God because of the choices they made in the area of health. I will never forget being a college student, a freshman at Grace College 150 years ago. I'll never forget it. I was sitting in a healthy lifestyle class. And I just happened to be one of those weird guys that thought, I'm going to listen to this professor about healthy lifestyles. You know, when you're young, sometimes you think you're healthy and you don't need to develop patterns of of discipline. And so the instructor, Dr. Johnson at Grace College said this. He said, he took in the class and he said this, your heart is a muscle. And he said, if you exercise your muscle, it gets strong. And when you exercise the muscle called the heart, if you get it strong, the more you exercise it, the less it has to beat. I was like, I don't think I've ever heard that before. It wasn't even rocket science. I was like, so that means I could, you know, you can look at your arms. I want to exercise my arm. Let's exercise my arm. And you could see that. But how do you exercise your heart? And so I actually realized, wow, I could run. I can move and I can exercise. And so you know what I did? 30 years ago, however long it was, I just decided, because I was an athlete clean up to the time, playing a lot of baseball and softball league and basketball leagues, and I was busy all that. I began to say, I need to have a daily routine. And so 25 to 30 years later, I've been on a regular routine of exercise. All because one professor said, Jim, your heart is a muscle. And all because I didn't want to get to wherever that was that God wanted me to be and realize that my health limited me from being all that he wanted me to be. This is like a taboo thing in church. Don't talk about my eating habits. Don't talk about that. And don't talk about that. Listen to me. The living God lives in us. Let's give him a clean fit vessel to live in. You don't like that, do you? It's the truth. There aren't excuses. Enough of this nonsense. Some of you are on prescriptions. Not all that you shouldn't be on because you choose not to live a healthy lifestyle. Some of you need to fall on the floor in repentance and say, God, I've abused this body that you've given me. Not from this day forward, I'm charting a new path. Some of you have abused your body with cigarettes in your lungs. I'm not saying it's easy to overcome. I'm not saying it won't be difficult. And I'm not saying that you might not have already tried 50 times. And by the way, I'm not judging you. I love you. I'm just trying to help you. Listen, God lives in you. You can overcome. If we think we can't, then what are we saying about the power of God? Some of you are abusing your livers with alcohol secretly, drinking and lying to your wives and lying to your husbands. And all the while, your liver is just becoming mush. You got to break that addiction. 
some of you are abusing your bodies and your minds on drugs. Oh, it's not so bad. Every once in a while, I just smoke some marijuana. And every, that's, that, well, the doctors say it's good. So I just keep smoking, smoking, smoking. I feel really good. Come on, enough of this nonsense. The living God lives in you. Way too many men have been rendered ineffective and women have been rendered ineffective. Like I said, because they refuse to make good health choices. Listen to me. Walk away from the table after one serving. I'm still hungry. It's painful, discipline dudes. Do some push-ups and some set-ups. Exercise. Oh, my arms hurt. I had to do women push-ups. Well, then do the women push-ups until you can do the men push-ups. You think I'm kidding. You ask some of our guys. By the way, let me just put it out there for some men who laugh. I double dog dare you to do 50 push-ups in a row. Then we'll see who's laughing. Right, guys? I heard an amen. Get off of your butts and exercise. How about in the area of character? We keep stripping away our character episode by episode. Oh, I look at this tonight. It won't be so bad. I mean, one time out of 10 days isn't too bad. I look at that pornography. One time out of 10 is not too bad that I read this. One time out of 10 is not too bad that I have this course joking and talking. One time out of 11, I'm getting better. Listen to me. Character is destroyed episode after episode after episode. Balance. Have an accountability partner. Bounce your eyes. Be disciplined in character. All it takes is one step and you can throw away 25 years of faithfulness. In the air of speech, discipline. The tongue has the power of life and death for those who've been trained by it. Literally. Listen. Listen to me, guys and gals, men and women. When the spirit of God says, don't say that, don't say that. Even though you really want to say it, it's painful sometimes. Oh, it would be so good if I just told them the truth. Don't say it. Discipline your mouth. And maybe you discipline your mouth when it's like, oh, I don't know if I should tell them that. It might hurt them, but it's the truth. But the spirit is saying, doing it, but I'm so afraid. Then say it. Every week I come here and there's these moments when, should you say it or shouldn't you say it? And I'm trying to listen to the spirit. There are times I say things and it hurts. But listen to me, discipline is painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. How about in the area of your appetite? Proverbs 25, 16 says it this way. Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. I'll be really honest with you personally too. And this isn't judging people. This is a personal conviction. 25 years ago, I was beginning 2025 to begin studying for ministry. And I remember the spirit of God looking at me and I said, God, I just want to be the best pastor as possible. God, I don't care if it's with 10 people, 15 people or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. God, I just want to make you look good. But I remember thinking through this process, how in the world will I ever ask my congregation, the people I lead and even my family around me to have, be self-controlled and to live disciplined lives if I'm 40 pounds overweight? How can I look at the word? It's like somehow we, we, just, we dress over that stuff. We say, you know, look, looks like he's got every other area, but boy, that area there. And we, we, almost, like, we almost like elevate it. Let's, let's have a third dessert. Listen, 25 years ago, I, I said, I don't want to be that man who stands in the pulpit and talks about self-discipline yet refuses to live it out. That's hypocrisy. 
And so I've made some choices. Let me tell you, I love sweets just as much as you do. Ask my family. I mean, fast food calls me too. And there are things that I like a lot. I mean, you give me some little Debbies, oh my goodness, I could finish those puppies off. It's not like, oh, I don't like that. I'm telling you, there's times chocolate just sounds awesome. There are times when that second burger, man, I could have a second one. There are times when th- th- this, this dish in front of me just doesn't satisfy me and I need to go again. Listen, I have the same cravings, but listen, discipline it. Shut it off. Is it painful? Yeah. It's not like it's easy for me too. And lastly, discipline your priorities. Word of God says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You make time for what you make time for. And I'm gonna say something that I really believe is happening in our world. I believe the world that we live in right now has swung the pendulum from this side clean over to this side when it comes to families and children. Hear me out, just hear me out. This isn't judging, this is what I believe to be true. Because many of us were raised where mom and dad weren't there. And all of a sudden, we, we, we come into the picture. We don't want to do what our mom and dad did. And so now what we're doing is saying, I am going to make sure my child becomes the best at everything. They will be the best baton twirler. They will have the best tutu. They will be the best basketball, baseball, football, chess. They will be the best dart thrower. They'll do it all. And so what we do, we take them to everything. And here's your schedule. You look at your week's schedule and the way you chart your week is this way. Johnny's this day, Sally's this day. They got two sports in the same day. So we'll go fast food in between dropping them off. We'll let them play AAU, PU, IU, whatever you it is. It doesn't matter, it's just you. That's what it is, as long as it's you. And so we've charted out these lives wanting to give our kids the very best. And so you know what we do? We knock out this time away with God. We don't come and worship no longer on Sundays. Oh, we hit one out of four. But I, I want to make sure that Junior's on the team. Listen to me, moms and dads. If your child is good enough, the coach will see it and he and she will play. Regardless if they're in PU, IU, and Super U, it doesn't matter. Listen, do you think your kid is going to say, Mom, don't take me there no more. Dad, don't take me there no more. Here's what happens. You are raising champions of people who can throw baseballs, who can hit a volleyball, who can move a chess piece, who can wrestle, who can run, who can do a variety of things. But they don't know how to love God. They don't know how to worship. And so when they're off on their own, they go to college And when it comes time to worship God, you know what they do? Well, mom and dad always took Sundays off. Let's go play ball. Let's sleep in. Listen, it needs to swing back. And the only way it will swing back is if you make it swing back. Parents, listen to me. I love you. You don't like me right now, and I'm okay with that. But please, let the Spirit of God direct your schedule. Please don't let your kids direct your schedule.
discipline. Don't you want to raise children who are hungry after Jesus Christ first? Isn't that the desire? Now listen, they can be great whatever they're at, but the goal is you want them to be hungry for Jesus first because there will come a day when that sport, that activity will be gone. What will be left? Paul said this in closing. You can't get the prize unless you put in the time. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. What are you training for? Where are you putting in the time? The only way you will ever become all that God wants you to be is if you put in the work. God help us today. Spirit, cover everything that was offensive. That's not my intent. I just want people to follow hard after God. Help people to walk through their pride God, I just long for us to be a church that's desperately in love with you and will do whatever it takes to make that happen. Thank you, Jesus, right now for this discipline of baptism that we're about to take place with. And as those who are being baptized work their way up to the front, God, this is a godly discipline. We honor that. We celebrate that. Because we have people right now who are saying, I love Jesus Christ and I want you to know that. And I'm taking the step in this walk with Jesus called baptism because that's what Christ followers do to fall more in love with you. Bless this moment, bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen.